your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around Being recorded with podcast assistant referee P.A.R. There are only four types of decisions going to be reviewed in this podcast, whether there are violations during a build-up to an opinion, very controversial opinions, or cases of mistaken identity. <laughs> Sponsored by Froobs. The yoghurt that brings you up when you're feeling so low, feeling so low, feeling so low, feeling so low, so low. <laughs> <laughs> So, it, are, are we now marketing Froobs as a cure for depression? Uh, well, it was more a link to the Solo movie, but yeah. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, we haven't thought of that angle, which yeah, I mean, we might get some criticism for. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is proven to help. Just it's impossible to feel unhappy after you've had a Froob. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe, what next, you know, what's it's for anxiety? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, I mean, froobs are a great, a great treat to be had by all. You know, a delicious treat, nutritious and delicious, should I say? Um, but I didn't know that they could cure mental health problems. Um, I mean, it's more. I suppose it's more feeling low, but you haven't actually got a mental health problem. You just need a bit of a bit of a, a pick boost. Up, a pickup, right? Feeling a bit okay. drained. Sure. Maybe we should. Maybe we should make that clear on the packet. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Not a cure for depression. <laughs> That doesn't really exist. Well, maybe in, a, in our adverts we could have one of those guys who can talk really, really quick. Fruits are not actually a cure for mental Yeah, I think... <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what we need, because this is a radio advert and that is where that stuff happens. Yeah. Because I'm assuming on TV adverts they put it in really tiny writing somewhere that you can't see it. But I don't know. Four out of the 26 people that we give three versions of Fruits to reported that they had improved their mental health. <laughs> <laughs> for ten seconds afterwards. <laughs> Well, hello there, people. Welcome to Films, episode 34. Uh, I'm your host for today. I know, right? Professional. Um, <laughs> Blow me away. I had to recover from saying there were going to be four things in my little intro bit and then only listing three. <laughs> Fortunately, no one noticed, so that's good. Um, yeah, I certainly didn't. I'm your host today, David Peeling, and I've got with me uh, film expert, Clive Fisher. Ahoy, hi. And films amateurist of the just the lowest variety, Alex Wayne. <laughs> oh, what? I'm not even. Co- I'm not even. Um, oh, I forgot correspondent. What correspondent anymore. No, I'm it's taken amateurist. me about. It's taken me about a year to get back around to hosting a podcast so that I can insult you after you used to insult me, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> He's hit you hard. To be fair, right? Yeah, and I'm just going to put my out and walk away now. Job done. Wow, you are one bitter elephant. You've just never forgot, have you? <laughs> bitter elephant <laughs> or, or, or bit of elephant <laughs> so we're uh, we're here to talk about films today you guys been watching many films um yeah quite a few um i've seen four new films four new releases since we've last uh, recorded quite a busy summer period i feel i feel like i have seen i've seen all the big ones but i feel like i haven't seen as many indie things and i keep missing them and maybe there's not as many out at the minute but there's definitely been a couple that i've missed that i wish i'd seen Tully being one example um, mm. i can't think of the other one <laughs> but but yeah i've been a few times definitely not as much as before but that's probably because that was the busiest period wasn't it first couple of months of the year 
Yeah, yeah. I think, I, th- I think that I think that you do get indie releases, but not so much the um, sort of prestige indies. The you know you get the proper proper indies out this time, which mm. tend to not get any space in cinemas if you live in a cultural cesspool uh, <laughs> like I do. Um, yeah, I, I've seen most. I've seen mo- most of the big releases, if you will. Going to see Hereditary tomorrow. I'm a shame I couldn't have seen it before now, but looking forward to that. Cool. Great. Well then, um, shall we kick things off then by staying with Al and seeing what the first film is that he wants to review? Cool. Okay, so I'm going to start with a film that I know that Clive's seen. I don't think you've seen, Dave. It's the Mm -hmm. latest film in the Jurassic Park series, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It's essentially the fifth film in the season of the series, but um, the second in the kind of rebooting, if you like, which is not a rebooting. I don't know how to describe it, really. It's the second Jurassic World film, but fifth in the Jurassic uh, film series. Uh, Directed by J.A. Bayona, who Clive will know from A Monster Calls and uh, The Orphanage. Uh, Written by Colin Trevorrow, who directed Jurassic World, and Derek Conley. Starring Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rafe Spall, James Cromwell, Toby Jones, and a whole host of other people. Um, Fallen Kingdom picks up the narrative three years after Jurassic Park. Claire, played by Dallas Howard, is now working for a charity looking to protect dinosaurs. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why, considering how much of a threat they were to her in the first film, but there you go. Um, Owen, played by Pratt, is... Basically, just living out the Americana dream, playing pool, drinking beer and building his own house in the middle of nowhere. Both are dragged <laughs> into an apparent humanitarian cause to save the dinosaurs of Iceland Nubler uh, from another in- extinction, as a previously dormant volcano becomes active once again. Uh, yeah, I know. Wow, flipped on the head. Now you're trying to save the dinosaurs. Um, the question is, is this really a mission to save the dinosaurs? Or, as you might guess, is this a, another attempt to monetize them in a different way? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to exactly spoil it for you, but hint, hint. I would say that low expectations y- yields lower standards of passable entertainment. And um, much like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is passable, I would say, maybe at best. But much like Jurassic World as well, it was just passable. Um there's not a huge amount to get positive on this. Um, I suppose Bayona is quite a striking director, um, kept capable of producing some really great uh, imagery on scene. Uh, in, in Fallen Kingdom, he actually has some great shots of striking kind of gothic horror imagery. And the action is really consistent. Um, it's not tiring, it's not... It's not exactly what you've seen before, so certainly I was never bored by the film. Uh, but the film does struggle with the same problems that Jurassic World did. First of all, the sense of threat, kind of the 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 kind of um, atmosphere of anxiety that the original Jurassic Park had has never ever been recaptured since the first one. Um, I'm a bit of a defender of the Lost World, um, the second film in the series, but um, I don't think it was all bad except for Velociraptors being beaten by gymnastics. But um, Aside from that, I thought it was a reasonable film. I did quite um, like Al very modestly describing himself there as a defender of the lost world. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you know that the name Alexander means defender of men? So there you go. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, 
the, the action in this, while it's never boring, still feels rather disposable. You know, the characters who are dying, for the most part, are extras, stuntmen. The main characters feel very, very safe. In fact, the action actually reminded me of a lot of Marvel films in the sense that, you know, you know that when Thor and Captain America are fighting, or they might, you know, be, oh, it looks like they're in terrible trouble, but you know they're not really. Um, The original dinosaurs, so Velociraptor, T-Rex, are given what I would call the Terminator 2 treatment, but not in a good way, in the sense that, you know, what once was a scary threat is now some kind of anti-hero kind of dinosaur on your side. Uh, That was done in Jurassic World as well, and it's just as preposterous in this film. Um, What was once a a vicious velociraptor, the ultimate intelligent pack predator, ruthless, scything, um, now is your mate, basically, as we've um, (laughs) expressed before. Um, What was once the colossal T-Rex, a towering beast... An overwhelming threat to everybody in its path is now basically the Incredible Hulk. You know, a controllable beast who is now on your side. And the film continues the obsession with rehashing new super predators. So, in Jurassic Park 3, they created the Spinosaurus. Oh, it's the ultimate killer. Worse than the T-Rex. In Jurassic World, it was the Indominus Rex. Oh, it's the ultimate clash between Raptor and T-Rex. And now it's the Indoraptor in Fallen Kingdom, which is, I don't know, just a super Velociraptor. Um, It's utterly tedious, it's lacking in creativity, and miraculously, these super predators are always outmatched by the older dinosaurs anyway, so, you know, what was the point? Um, I feel like I'm being very down on the film. It's not totally terrible, it's it's quite watchable. Um, It passed a couple of hours, you know, more or less entertaining me, but really, really unnecessary. Um, it's pretty pretty rubbish, really. But you know, there's there's worse ways to spend two hours. Wow, uh, Clive, you've seen this as well, right? Yeah, I have. Um, I guess I pretty much agree with Al. I I did enjoy it. To be fair, I can't decide if I enjoyed it. I didn't like the first one. I don't know if it's because I went in with it expecting something to take itself. Whether it took itself too seriously, and this one definitely at times was a bit tongue-in-cheek. So I think I enjoyed this one a little bit more, but I'd need to watch the first one again. Maybe I was just in a bad mood. Um, (laughs) It was, yeah, it was basically what I expected going in. Passable, you know, entertaining, decent on the big screen. But I was kind of, I think the characters were maybe a little bit more interesting than this one. Although I wish they'd get rid of this bloody... Or the the guy who's good with computers, useless at everything else trope. Oh, uh, yeah. Is in all of these films. Um, (laughs) Not not just Jurassic Park, but every action film ever. Um, Because I think it's getting a bit old now. But I think the characters were a little bit more interesting than the first one, which had definite issues in in that I think Chris Pratt was the only one that was remotely interesting. And I I think it started off with quite an interesting dilemma about, like you say, saving the... Saving the dinosaurs that they'd brought back, you know, do we have to, do they have to have the same treatment as endangered species that you know have existed all the time, or is it a bit different because these have been brought back in the first place? I thought that was an interesting dilemma, but it didn't really. It then took a completely different road, didn't it, Al? Which yeah, I thought was less interesting and was a bit more um, tropey and loads of stuff that we've all seen before about big corporations and blah blah blah. I think it would have been way more interesting to have like the government fighting for these to be kind of killed and uh, these. Um, activists trying to trying to save them, kind of magical you know, for animal rights and stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that would have been more interesting, but it didn't really take that road, which I was a bit disappointed with. But yeah, decent, you know. It's a 5.5 for me, I think, somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't really do scores, but I pretty much agree with that. You know, it's, there's far worse films out there. It's just disappointing that this franchise staggers on. You know, somebody th- somebody throw in the towel, please. You know, it's it, it's done. Yeah, I will say, even I don't want to spoil anything, even though the ending is, in my opinion, a little bit preposterous, it does set up something at least a bit more interesting for the next few films, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and if you agree, yeah. to see what well, they do with it, I think the next one, if they, I would say if they did it right, could be really good. But I have no yeah. faith in that whatsoever. Um, yeah, pretty much agree. But you never know. <laughs> I mean, do you see what I mean about the fact that they, they're always creating this new super dinosaur every time, and the super dinosaur is always fairly comfortably beaten. Yeah, I feel like that's because they feel that the main story isn't interesting enough, so they throw in this other, and they're trying to make this, you know, in the first film it was the T-Rex, and they always need this thing, and they've decided the T-Rex isn't enough anymore, and they always need this big... But I'm hoping, in the new one, there's enough interesting happening uh, besides that, that they decide they don't need to make a super dinosaur, because I think that's kind of been the bane of a lot of the recent films. (laughs) Uh, By the the way, how does the T-Rex continuously sneak up on other dinosaurs? I mean, out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, it, to be fair, this happened in the first film as well, but um, I don't understand it. <laughs> you know, this is a, I don't know how many ton beast, yet somehow <laughs> the last minute jaws of, you know, victory from death. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because it's been crossed with a raptor owl, you know, it now defies the laws of physics. I do. I just think... I do wonder how many people would be... Dis- I did, I've not seen this because I kind of expected it was going to be the film you've described and I wasn't that fussed. <laughs> um, and I wonder how many how many angry posts there would be if at the end of a, of a subsequent Jurassic Park film there wasn't a dinosaur on dinosaur fight. It's kind of... There's got to be one, hasn't there? Yeah, but... Um, I don't know, we're just... <laughs> I think the problem is I don't really want these films to keep going. I mean, the first film is one of the films of my childhood. It's still one of my all-time favourite films. Uh, The first one, despite being, I'm pretty sure it was just a PG, had a sense of threat to it, a sense of real dread. I mean, that that whole raptors in the kitchen scene is still terrifying to this day. Um, They just, I I think it's the filmmaking standard, to be honest with you. It's just not there anymore. And they've painted themselves into a corner here with this whole Velociraptor as a good guy. or Maybe not the good guy, but an anti-hero. You've taken the threat completely out of, you know, probably one of the scariest on-screen monsters ever seen. Um, I mean, it's like having the alien as a good guy. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. it shouldn't be. Okay. Well... Okay, you didn't get me totally convinced to go and see that film that I already said I wasn't going to go see, so I'm pleased with that performance. Well done, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> Saved you some money. You sure have. Um, right, on to Clive then. What have you seen? Um, so I've been, you know, as mentioned by the sponsor, I've seen Solo, A Star Wars Story, which I've got a little bit to say about, but I suspect it'll be a bit of a discussion because have you seen this as well, Dave? No, I've not. No. Oh, you've not? I thought you had. Okay, yeah. well, be a dis- another discussion between me and Al then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, right, so Solo, A Star Wars Story is directed by Ron Howard, who also directed uh, Rush, Apollo 13 and A Beautiful Mind, uh, three films I've picked out there that I'd heard of, um, starring Alden Echenreich, um, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, and Donald Glover and some other people. Essentially, it's Han Solo's <laughs> origin story, so you know they've taken the sort of Marvel route of, okay, we're not sure what to do, so let's do loads of origin stories. Um, the plot takes place ten years before A New Hope and covers the start of Han and Chewbacca's sort of space antics career, uh, if you want to call it that. It's set between the third, I guess, episode three and episode four. Um, in this case, he gets involved in a plan to steal a shipment of coaxium which is, you know, obviously an incredibly valuable resource. I can't remember why. I think it's, it's probably wep- for weapons. I can't remember. It's cool. Um, this is kind of a fun heist movie, which isn't what I expected going in, actually. But um, Eckenreich, Glover, Clark, they're, you know, they put in decent performances. I was a particular fan of Woody Harrelson, but I'm always a fan of Woody Harrelson. And he, he's pretty much always Woody Harrelson, but I don't care. <laughs> he's always very likeable and charismatic. Um, I would say that Eckenreich, for me, lacked um, quite a lot of Ford's charisma, but I don't know if it's realistic that anyone can ever pull that off. It, he was definitely believable as a younger Solo, so I think it was a decent choice. Um, the, the plot is fine. There are some twists and turns to keep things interesting. It's kind of well-paced. It's got some great action set pieces, and I like the whole way the thing was shot in a way that was a bit more akin to Rogue One than uh, the mainline films, maybe in a slightly more gritty way, although I'd definitely say it's less gritty than Rogue One and more closer to the mainline mainline films, but still yeah, somewhere in the middle, I suppose. So yeah, it, it's fine. My main issue with the film is that it didn't feel at all essential. Um, it felt like a colouring in, colouring in exercise. Nothing was particularly surprising, and I didn't feel that the film really added much depth to any of the characters. I mean, it's supposed to obviously add some depth to Solo's character, but I just felt like... If I'd known what, you know, I know what Solo's like in the other films, if I plunked him in this situation, this is how he'd act. So I don't know if that's really adding more depth or anything interesting. Um, Basically, I kind of just felt like I didn't need to know any of this. While I could say a similar thing about Rogue One, about the overall story, I thought that film worked much better because it's, like, got all new characters. You know, there's a couple of returning ones in there, and I'm sure if you watch the animes or whatever, there's characters, the characters aren't new. But to me, they were new and it had a significantly darker tone. I just thought the story was more interestingly pulled off and it just felt a bit more like, uh, you know, it was more surprising all the way through. I didn't really know what was going to happen. I didn't really know much about the story other than you obviously know the ending, but um, the bits in between are a bit more interesting than they are in here, I think. Um, it's a it's a well put together film about something I didn't really need to know is how I'd sum it up. <laughs> and, and I'm hoping that future Star Wars story films are a little bit more inventive. So it's fine. It's good. You know, it's a good go out to the cinema, but it completely lacked that. Usually when a Star Wars film starts, I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited. This one, I wasn't as much. And I don't know if that's I think that is a lot to do with. It's only been like f- however many four or five months since the last one, which isn't something you're used to with Star Wars films. Um, and it's maybe starting to, the fatigue is maybe starting to kick in, dread to say. And um, so that it could just be that as opposed to anything wrong with the film in particular. Maybe I'd have liked it more if it <laughs> there was a year gap. I don't know. But yeah, it, that's my initial thoughts. It's It's fine, but it just doesn't feel in any way essential or anything like that. And another thing I'd like to know is, I don't know if this was just me or it could have been the cinema we were in, but it really friggin' hurt my ears. And um, like the treble... Every time someone spoke, my ears hurt, <laughs> which may also have impacted my enjoyment of the film. But uh, every other film I've seen on that screen was fine, so I don't know if it was just a bad day. But 
it was yeah like piercing my ears on certain bits and seemed like the treble was too high and not enough bass which is weird but anyway that's uh, that's my thoughts al what did you think i know you had a one a massive gripe which, <laughs> I, didn't, which yeah. I didn't really have but what no. did you think of it in general <laughs> um yeah um i pretty much agree with everything you've said there i thought you hit the nail on the head when you said it was fun but unnecessary um it was it was a classic example of an origin story that while served its purpose um if anything detracted a little bit in my opinion um uh, from the character um i think that these prequels were getting a rough, often stripped the mystery and the cool out of a character um, yeah yeah i think that um most narratives often rely on the audience coloring in the background um so when you're seeing someone like a scoundrel like uh, han solo um you're painting in your head you're imagining what he was like before this and seeing him kind of just takes away a little bit of the fun um i think a good another good example of that would be the the alien prequel films like uh, prometheus and alien covenant which personally I, I i didn't think were bad films i quite enjoyed them but if anything i didn't really need to know how the aliens got there the aliens are there and seeing kind of the evidence of what how they might have got there and me creating that kind of jigsaw in my head is 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 more fun than being spoon fed it. Um, yeah. I, I think that uh, the film was a lot of fun. I thought the action um, went you know ratcheted along at a good pace, and I think considering the problems they had with changing directors halfway through, I didn't think it showed any evidence of that. I thought Alden Ehrenreich was really good actually. Um, I agree, he doesn't quite capture the the charm of Hans of Harrison Ford, but um, is it possible? Um, I thought he mm-hmm. was more than passable. I thought it was a good performance, and I, I also thought that Woody Harrelson was very good. Um, I also thought I forget what her name is now actually, but um, the actress who does the voice of the droid, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yes, from Fleabag, she was really really good in this. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting to. I, I didn't know she was in this to be honest with you, and then I read afterwards and I was like, yes, I knew I knew that voice from somewhere. Uh, she was a lot of fun in this. Um, I think the other, the only other minor gripes I had, aside from the big gripe that I can't really go into, um, was that I felt that Han Solo lacked a little bit of edge. I mean, I know he's not a proper, you know, anti-hero. He's only got an anti-hero edge, but I felt that the payoff in the original Star Wars film of him coming back to save Luke, who's about to be killed by Darth Vader, is that, you know, you weren't expecting him to come back. Or really, Star mm-hmm. Wars at the time, you know, he's supposed to be this scoundrel who's only in it for the payday. Um, so seeing him in this film, essentially freeing some slaves, um, it, I've got no real problem with it, but um, it, it just it kind of spoils the originals a little bit. Um, and as you did mention, I can't go into this with any great detail, although I'm not spoiling anything by telling you it. Um, I hated a certain late plot development, which was lazy fan service writing. And it utterly undermines any consequences from all previous films. Um, what a shit bit of writing. Um, <laughs> I understand that um, the bit of writing we're talking about um, was in some prequel comics or in um, some prequel, I think, TV. Was it Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars? I think it's in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I've not seen it myself, but well, speaking to James Cable. I don't care what it was in. It was terrible and it was shock- a shocking bit of writing and they should be banned from writing ever again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, big claim. 
Um, I mean, it, it didn't bother me at first. I don't want to spoil things too much because I didn't. I wasn't completely clear on the timeline of events <laughs> at the time. <laughs> yeah, um, neither now was I it to doesn't... start with. And then I got more angry the more I looked into it. Uh, okay. And then, I, but I'd already been told all that stuff in the comics, so I suppose I was a bit like, okay. I'd already had that moment of being like, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? A few, when Cable first told me that thing <laughs> a few months ago. Uh, so I suppose it was less impactful for me, but... I could certainly see why if you discovered oh, that for the I first mean, time that it's pretty. There was absolutely <laughs> development. no room for misinterpretation. What the fuck? I mean, seriously, you know who shot Jr? Oh, Jr's not dead. It was all a dream. Is that right? I don't know, but anyway, you know. <laughs> Fucking hell! What a terrible bit of writing. Wow. I mean, I, I'll take there with some up-to-date references from Al. Thank you. <laughs> Do I we mean, need to call in VAR? Yeah, we, we, we can't without spoilers. Yeah, I'm just going to have a quick... Just, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting something in from the assistant podcast assistant referee. One one moment. Uh, yeah, those... Mm. Mm. What? Mm. <laughs> no, no, it's not... No. No, it's not. No, it's not taking long enough at all. No, carry on. Mm. Okay, right. Okay. Um, well, let me tell you that if the v- uh, video assisted referee comes back against me, uh, here's another out of date reference for you. I'm going to Cantonar Kung Fu kick him. Um, I will not be happy at that. Um, anyway, I'm not actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I. Oh. Okay. I think there might have been a case of mistaken identity there, and. In fact, the anger that Al was feeling there towards the writers of this film. Is that right? <laughs> um, Sounds feasible. Possibly. That's feasible, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, my, my final thoughts on it are that it is actually quite a good film. I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I just felt that it was totally unnecessary and that one particular plot point really, really was shit I mean yeah it's one of, it's one of those films that like I think if you took out the Star Wars bit of it and had other characters in there I'd be like yeah this this was decent it was good fun yeah but um, it didn't feel it didn't feel like it added anything to the to the Star Wars situation and and I agree I think you've hit the nail on the head about my you know the la- saying Erkenreich lacked charisma I don't think it was that I think you're right I think it's the writing in that he doesn't have that edge and that's more to do with the writing than him, probably. Yeah, like, so, yeah, really. He touched on something there. I mean, he, he did the whole kind of cocky, kind of like, you know, oh, roguish character, but then his actions weren't all that roguish. No, they weren't, you're right. They were quite, like, thought through and just seemed like a nice bloke, which well, is yeah, I mean, initially. Like, like, his main motivation behind becoming a criminal is to get back to his girlfriend. And yeah. then he gets trapped into a series of events where he has to try and steal things, but he's not stealing them from, you know, good people anyway. So it's he's not really. He's been given a bit. He's been given a rather mm-hmm. difficult task, yeah, there, hasn't he? <clears throat> Alden, in that he's but yeah, told to try and make people forget about one of the most iconic characters, character actors. You know, it's whilst whilst the guy's still goddamn alive. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> impossible. And only, <laughs> only a couple of years after he was last in a Star Wars movie, being that character. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not even as though there's a great break or... Yeah, I yeah. mean... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, rather almost impossible task. Mm. It, it is, and it's. I think because it's impossible, it just shouldn't have been done, but <laughs> it wasn't needed. It wasn't yeah. needed. I mean, he, he's perfectly good in this, um, but yeah, it just shouldn't have been done. It's just, it's, it's passable entertainment. Again, it's much better than Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, by the way. 
Um, but um, yeah, it's again not very necessary. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Okay. Well, I'll um... so low, so low. <laughs> I'll Need talk a to you right a little bit about a uh, film that I've seen. I think both of you guys have seen this as well. Um, the only film that I think I've seen since the last time we did a film's podcast was um, Deadpool Two. Um, um, following on from uh, 2016's Deadpool, this sees Ryan Reynolds reprise his role as the titular character as he forms uh, X Force to protect a young mutant from time traveling soldier Cable. The uh, this film carries on in exactly the same um, exactly the same way as the the previous film. It is totally irreverent it is um full of gratuitous violence and swearing um it is utterly self-aware and full of self-referential jokes and jokes all about the marvel universe and frankly i would i absolutely welcome it it was um uh, it was rollicking i like the word rollicking <laughs> and i'm yeah, going to stick with it word. um i th- it, particularly at a time when um when people are getting quite uh, quite fatigued about the Marvel franchise, I think they do do themselves a great service by having a film like this keep on coming out every now and again that um, that kind of snipes at itself. Um, there's uh, another great performance here from Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson. The kind of standout performance for me, though, was um, Josh Brolin as Cable. I really enjoyed Josh Brolin here. The... It's a slightly odd situation we find ourselves in, where within a couple of weeks of each other, two films in the same franchise star, the same actor playing protagonist antagonists in the same franchise. But here we are. Um, Josh Brolin, only a week or two after I saw him as Thanos, was here as um, as Cable, whose family is murdered by an older version of our um, of our young mutant. Collins, who um, kind of takes him, sends himself back in time to um, stop his family from being murdered in the future, um, with apparently no uh, no thought given at all to the effect that that would have on the on the on the uh, time continuum. Like there have literally been hundreds of films about this cable. Be self aware. We also see uh, for the first time. Um, Domino, played by Zazie Beetz, who um, a mutant with the ability to manipulate luck, who joins X Force, and is also a brilliant turn, albeit a far too short one, from Rob Delaney here uh, as one of the um, one of the other members of X Force. The film, as I said before, it carries on in, in much the same way as the first one, but I think it does it, um, if anything, bigger and better. It, it, if you like the first one, you'll love the second one, and you've probably already seen it by now. Um, how does how do you two guys what what you two guys got to say about Deadpool two? Um, yeah, I, I I pretty much agree. I think um, I've read quite a few more negative opinions on it, and not no people that have hated it, but I thought it was just as good as the first one, really. Um, if not, maybe maybe better. Um, I thought it was more of the same kind of irreverent, immature humour. And I thought it was taken to a logical conclusion in the sense that it expanded upon its own kind of private Deadpool universe. I mean, it's it's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's kind of not really part of the X-Men universe despite kind of being 
part of the universe. So I don't really know. It's kind of its own thing. I think some. I, I heard one review where they thought that the added depth of Deadpool as a character was a problem, and that it took away from the kind of uh, the anarchistic, you know, kind of nihilism of the first one. But I didn't take that at all. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought the action was entertaining and also funny at times. And I thought the plot kind of rattled along without <laughs> getting boring and without, you know, sucking up its own farts. I, I just, I really, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, like you, I thought um, mm. Cable, Josh Brolin's Cable was really, really good. Uh, he's on a good run at the minute. Um, I thought I thought he was convincingly scary enough but then also his performance was so deadpan um that it just it, it he made for a brilliant foil for deadpool at times um and yeah I, I was really really impressed by this and i thought like you said that you mentioned rob delaney there i thought his character of peter was underused but um a good joke i enjoyed it yeah sure <laughs> clive <clears throat> um yeah i i basically agree Unfortunately, it would have been nice to have a, yeah. <laughs> a fight, but yeah, I, I really loved it. I think I preferred it to the first one. I think this one just went full comedy, whereas the first one a little bit tried to make some sense. It felt like <laughs> this one just kind of embraced the fact it was just going to be super funny, and it had. I think it's the funniest film I've seen for a long time, probably a couple of years to be honest. I can't think of anything else that's made me laugh as much. <laughs> so um, yeah, I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was. Just all the fourth wall breaking worked really well as it always has done, and all the characters, all the new characters, were really interesting. I liked, um, like, say Josh Brolin in particular, and yeah, it was just just fun from start to finish. Um, great, you could definitely pick holes in it if you wanted to go into like the plot and stuff, but I don't think that's what it's about. It's just yeah. <laughs> a, a good fun comedy film, and it pulls that off really, really well. Absolutely. Better than any of the comedy I've seen for a long time, like I said. I think the really easy trap for a film like this to fall into would be that it becomes... It, it comes kind of like eye-rolling, tongue-in-cheek kind of, oh, you see what we did there, kind of nudge-nudge, wink-wink. You know, it, it, it's, it becomes mm. too self-knowing, but I think what it does really well is um, send up the rest of the, the kind of... Uh, I know what you mean, it's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it is made by Marvel Entertainment, and it's... Um, you know, it it continues to lampoon the rest of the franchise in a really, really fun roasting kind of way. It, it's yeah, it's it's properly funny even without you having an understanding of the other films. Yeah, it's a really really good film. I can't, uh, there's a, another one coming in another couple of years, so I look forward to seeing that one as well. Probably. Right. So who's next? Al, have you got something else to talk to uh, about? Yeah, I'm going to very briefly talk over a uh, film that wasn't released at the cinemas. It's a Netflix exclusive film. Uh, one of the few that's decent as well. Um, it's a film called Cargo. It was released at the end of last year, apparently, although I only, as far as I was aware, it only came out this year. Um, it's a Australian post-apocalyptic thriller, uh, zombie film, if you will. Uh, it's written and directed by Yolanda Ramke and Ben Howling. stars Martin Freeman, who people probably better know from The Office and, more recently, The Hobbit films, uh, Anthony Hayes and Karen Pistorius, um, it's based on a previously made short film. Uh, it's essentially a post-apocalyptic zombie film set in the Australian outback. It's a short. It's what I would call a short act film, in the sense that the film never, despite the fact it's set in a vast terrain, never really moves from a certain area. 
despite the fact that the, the, the characters seem to travel. Um, the uh, Martin Freeman and Karen Pistorius play a young couple, or relatively young couple, with a new baby. Uh, they live out on a barge boat, uh, trying to stay away from the mainland where zombies or infected people, if you will, uh, lurk. And our other main character is a young Aboriginal girl who has broken away from her family to look after her zombie father, who she seems to absolutely refuse to leave to die. Um, it's a really, really nice thriller, actually, um, in the sense that there is genuine threat and um, you really don't get the sense that any character is particularly safe. Uh, it's not really a horror film, though. It's hard to describe the... Um, the atmosphere. The atmosphere is somewhat survivalist and um, has a very clear message about imperialism. Um, you might argue the film is heavy-handed at times, where you have a particular character who is basically enslaving Aboriginals after the fall in order to profit from um, slaying zombies. Um, and the film has a really, really interesting sense of direction, uh, where the the shots range from claustrophobic. To really expansive to show the the entire range of the outback. Um, this this is no classic, but um, I was really quite pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I hadn't heard any press about it, although I understand it was well reviewed. I just saw it come up in my feed, and I was just I was I was just curious. You know, I'm a bit of a sucker for kind of anything post-apocalypse, anything zombie, and um, I thought it was really well done. I'd be interested to see um, if these filmmakers can jump on this and take something further but for what looks like it was a you know a low probably a pretty low budget production uh, they got a really really interesting film out of this and certainly if you're a fan of those kind of genres uh, this is really worth a watch um yeah i've put this on my list because it sounds um sounds really really good i've been meaning to watch it for the last few weeks so I'm glad to hear you like it as well. I can't remember where I heard about it because I didn't definitely didn't hear when it first came out. Did you say it was earlier this year? Uh, so apparently it's 2017. Yeah, but, um, but I, I'm pretty sure it was only released at least in this country this year. Yeah, maybe like that's a what few it is. months ago. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's been described as kind of the road meets a George A. Romero zombie film. Yeah. Um, okay. And I can see that that wasn't something that I jumped to, but I, I can see it. Um, it's not quite a horror film, and it's mm. not quite a thriller. Um, I, it's weird how it how it kind of sets into it. But Martin Freeman's really, really good in it, um, and he doesn't try and put on an Australian accent. You'll be happy to hear. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate it when actors just feel compelled to do that. You know, if you can't do it, don't try. <laughs> um, a life motto there. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, the the zombie films. Uh, sorry, the zombies in the film are absolutely clearly um, kind of <laughs> uh, British criminals who came to Australia and robbed the Aboriginals. But um, <laughs> you know, the film is very much on the nose in that respect. But um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Awesome! It seemed to get less less promotion than all the, the shit Netflix ones. <laughs> yeah, which I'm confused yeah, about. I don't but, know how yeah. any of that works how they what you know uh, i i understand it when it's um you know when 20th century fox are making a film or something that who promotes it but netflix put out such a prodigious amount of stuff that 
they they can't possibly promote everything you know or, but equally no. everything needs promoting or you'll never find it because there's so much stuff it's yeah well I, I i'm sure that there's some really good stuff on there that i've never heard one you know one word about i'm sure Absolutely. yeah probably <laughs> i mean as I, for, for me this just came up and you know you have that kind of um almost like the trailer thing at the top of your netflix when you open it yeah. up yeah that's where I saw it, and um, I think I was drawn in by the fact it was Martin Freeman, um, and you know the fact that it was a genre that's been done to death, but you know is, is still one of my favourite genres. Um, just re- really appealed to me. Um, as I said, it's no classic, but it's it's a really interesting film. It's an interesting take, and it's definitely um, it, it's a film that concentrates more on the characters than the actual events that are happening, which is which is good. I mean. Really, how how much do we really need to see of the actual zombies? Not that much, really. We just need to hear about them, and then, um, yeah, I would recommend it. Um, certainly, if you're a fan of the genre, anyway. Excellent. Cool. I'll be checking that one out. Clive, anything else you'd like to talk to us about? Um, what time are we on? Forty-two. Okay. Um, I've got a. So I've been doing a. On those following the website might know, been watching every single Ghibli film all the way from the first one to the last one. And I've now just about finished. I've just got the last one to watch now uh, when Marnie was there, I think it's called. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll just talk about the one that's currently top, which is and you know, more, more than likely will stay top. I'm sure I'll like when Marnie was there, but I doubt it will overtake this one. Um, my number one so far is Princess Mononoke, which is, since I watched it, yes, one of to my see. top five films because it's. I just think it's fantastic. Um, so I'll just talk a little bit off the cuff about it. Um, Except I've written down the plot here and then I'll waffle on. Um, so the, the the plot is essentially, it's kind of set in a, oh God, I don't know my J- Japanese eras, but kind of a medieval Japanese era, I suppose. There is a name for it, but I've not written it down because I'm terrible at research. It follows Ashitaka, who's cursed when he defends his village from the attack of a boar god. Um, on his way to find a cure, he finds San, uh, who's also known as Princess Mononoke, who is fighting to protect the forest from local humans, um, led by their strong... World Queen Lady Eboshi, um, who are all planning to kind of destroy the forest. So it's obviously got a very strong environmental uh, message. The animation, I mean, I've watched, like I say, every Ghibli film except one now, and you can pretty much say it's about every single Ghibli film, but the animation is absolutely stunning. The landscapes look really, really majestic. Um, in this film in particular, the Boar God and the forest spirits are kind of very creative and memorable. Um, it's definitely one of the strongest pieces of animation from a studio which never ever does any animation that's kind of below uh, pretty much below amazing to be honest but um, yeah it's really really good Um, it's the one thing that's notable about this one is it's probably the darkest Ghibli film there's blood there's arms getting chopped off it is definitely not a kids film I think in Europe in particular and I suppose the western world it's very much seen that an animation must be for kids or at least it might be for adults as well, but it's certainly suitable for kids. Uh, whereas I would say this this one definitely is not, certainly not young kids, um, because it is quite dark in theme, and I don't necessarily think they're going to get it. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it doesn't, like I say, I don't think they're necessarily going to find it particularly enjoyable. There's plenty of Ghibli films they will find enjoyable and that are more aimed at kids, but this is not one of them. And they've certainly got quite a few that are, have more adult themes. Um, whereas... The thing that I think makes this one a masterpiece um, above other films that are very highly regarded in sort of Ghibli's canon, such as Howl's uh, Moving Castle and Spirited Away, 
um, is whereas those two films, for example, require, in my opinion, more than one viewing to really get to the bottom of everything, which in a sense you could say that means they've got a lot of depth and stuff. But I did get to the end of those two films and um, was kind of like, right, I need to watch it again because I haven't quite... It hasn't quite had the impact because I haven't quite understood everything and there's obviously so much depth here that I'm struggling to um, <laughs> grasp everything. And that might just be me. Some other people might get everything out of it on one watching, one viewing. And I think those two films in particular, when I watch them again, they'll go higher up the rankings. But I think it's it's impressive for a film of like Princess Mononoke that is, is in no way a simple film. Um, it nails a really, really complex plot. There's loads of stuff going on, which usually confuses the hell out of me, but it's done so masterfully that I understood exactly what was going on all the time. I feel like I got all the themes from it and every sort of, all the messages it was trying to convey all in one sitting. And it just, I was, when the credits rolled, I was just completely blown away. It's kind of like, it has such massive scope, um, which is something that I find usually swallows films up whole because they've only got you know, two hours to convey something. And if the scope's too big, um, it just doesn't really work. But here, <clears throat> somehow, Miyazaki um, completely pulls it off and it's just one of the most amazing pieces of film I've seen. If I was going to criticise one thing, and this is just dub-related, so it's not anything to do with the film, I'd say at times, the because I, I prefer to watch the dubs the first time because then I can pay attention to the animation rather than reading the bottom of the screen constantly. Then the dubs, the Ghibli dubs usually are very good. And I did think this one was very good, but it, there were definitely times where it felt like what they were trying to say was squeezed into a section that was a bit too small uh, to fit in with the mouth movement. So it felt a bit rushed, um, some of what they were saying occasionally. I picked up on that. But that's literally my only criticism of the film. And like I say, it's nothing of the, <laughs> the original film. That's just the dub. But it's such a really amazing piece of cinema and I really really hope that this gets shown I know they're showing um, Totoro which is my let me just check number which is my number two um, hopefully near here in the showroom soon so I really because it's its anniversary I hope they do a similar thing for Princess Mononoke when it's the anniversary of that in whatever five years or so time because I would love to see it on a big screen more than anything yeah thought it was fantastic Al you sounded like you've seen this yeah, it's my favourite Ghibli film. Um, I haven't seen anywhere near as many as you have. Uh, I think I've seen maybe six of the Ghibli cool. films. Maybe not even that many. Um, but Princess Mononoke is my favourite, and it's one of my favourite animated films ever. Um, certainly, um, I, I was blown, blown away by it when I saw it, and I've actually, I'm yet to put it up, uh, but I've, I've got a original Japanese poster uh, framed a bit, which I found oh, very, cool. very cheaply. Um, yeah, I, I, it is stunning. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a stunning visual feast um, with with a story that is. It, it feels very timeless. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know if it's taken from something. Maybe some Japanese fable, or um, I'm not sure. Um, but but it it feels like a classic, a classic plot, if you will. Um, it was my favourite. Funnily enough, your number two, my never Totoro, is actually one of my other favourites as well. So you've got good taste, Clive. Well done. <laughs> well, we all knew that, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think most people, I think the classic that most people talk about is Spirited Away, um, which is a great film as well. But um, but I think Princess Mononoke is at least from what I've seen the best Ghibli film but by a distance yeah I think Spirited Away came out when they kind of started to it was the first one to get a I believe it won the 
I remember if it was nom- either nominated or won the Oscar um, for Best Animation, it's the only Japanese film ever to do that, the only anime ever to do that. So I think it kind of got famous because of that. And it is very, very good. I've got it at number five. But like I say, it would go up probably on a, another watching. But there's it's, there's so many gems in there. And to, to honest, there's 20 films in total. I've watched 19 of them. And it takes, it needs to, let me just have a look here. It gets to about number 13 before I start giving things 7 out of 10. So everything above 13, I've given an 8 or more, which is pretty... <laughs> yeah, you're uh, a fan. Um, yeah, basically they don't usually make... They've made a couple of films that I'd say are meh, but generally all really, really enjoyable. And a couple of the ones that... Um, I really like Grave of the Fireflies, and that's one I hadn't really heard of before, so I'd recommend that one if people haven't heard it. Kiki's Delivery Service is a really simple film, but it's beautiful. I really like it. That's up there. That's probably the simplest one that I've got rated uh, <laughs> quite highly. And even the first one, uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky, I thought is a really, really good, fun um, action film. So, yeah, they're all really good. Just check them out. Um, go on to stickaroundpodcast.com if you want to read my latest uh, articles. There's five parts so far. The sixth part will be the final part, which should be going up hopefully in a few days' time when I've watched the last one. So it's been a fun journey, so I'm going to keep doing this and just do... I don't know what next, but either a director or another set of films or some other universe. Mike, or, maybe Mike, Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> just as a kind of... <laughs> yeah, just a palate cleanser. You know? <laughs> well, you've got like a good six Transformers films. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, the, the Rock is maybe not a good film, but fondly remembered from childhood. Is that the one with Sean Connery? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember, remember that one fondly, so maybe that's the... Maybe that's the highlight of his canon. Who well, you've knows? got Sean Connery, Ed Harris, Nicolas Cage. What more could you ask for? That is true. That's quite the cast. <laughs> well, technically, Michael Bay, he wasn't involved in directing it, but he produced, or his company at least, produced um, A Quiet Place. Yeah, so they did, yeah. So he's capable of... Well, possibly. possibly. He's capable of funding things that are good. I mean, you will have to watch Pearl Harbor. Um, but, you know... At least if you watch Pearl Harbor, you can then listen to that song from Team America, um, which is brilliant. You know, Pearl Harbor sucked and I love you. Um, it seems like, I think the Michael Bay thing might make a better YouTube series where I can just rant. Um, so we'll see. It might, I might do it. It might be fun. Who knows? But anyway, that's my you know Ghibli roundup. They're all brilliant. Check them out. And they're very, um, I think they get this rep of being inaccessible, but they're totally not. <laughs> I mean, it's not Disney in terms of Western, I don't know, but I think it's refreshing. You know, not every film's about, oh, I've got to find this prince to make me whole again, um, which Disney repeats over and over again. That's not happened once in, in the Ghibli canon. And uh, in fact, they have very strong female protagonists throughout and feminist messages throughout and... So, yeah, it's, I think, uh, years ahead of Disney in that respect. <laughs> I mean, they, they were doing films like that in the 80s, which Disney have only really just started doing. So, I think, I think, it, it, I think in general, pe- people are a little bit worried about anything that seems a bit alien to their culture. Yeah. And um, it seems a bit odd. God, it yeah. looks a bit odd, you know. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> Coming feel over like here. finally someone who speaks, speaks it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the overwhelming, um, you know, thought process behind Brexit, probably. Um, you know, maybe people should have just watched more Studio Ghibli films. Um, it undoubtedly would have helped, but, you know. Who knows? Um, 
I have actually written a piece on Richard Linklater films that I haven't yes. quite finished. Um, but I will try to do so today, maybe, or maybe when there's less football. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I've, I haven't watched all of Richard Linklater's films, by the way. Um, I haven't gone to quite the same depth as you. But Oh, Jesus, half-assed. I have watched most of them, though. <laughs> vast majority of them. Right. Most isn't good enough, Al. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> no, I'm, in- I'm interested about your article because I love Linklater. I didn't know how many has he got. Have you have you looked into? Uh, it? Off the top of my head, I think he's got about eleven or twelve, something like that. Okay, not, not that's a huge more than amount. I, thought. I think I think more I've seen. I, thought, I think I've seen six or seven of them. That's a acceptable chunk, Al. Yeah, something like that. One of my favourites. I might uh, do Wes Anderson next. I've just had a thought. We'll ooh, see. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, right? Has anyone else got anything else? Uh, to talk about this week um, the only thing I'm going to talk about is um, just the fact that I'm really excited to see Hereditary later which has been getting rave reviews from at least from most places um, I've gone on a bit of a horror binge recently where I've, I've got more into the genre so I watched The Wicker Man for the first time Okay, cool. Uh, the other day which is, it's funny really you, every, everyone's seen parodies of The Wicker Man so you know, any effect is a little bit lost but um what a strange, profoundly British horror film. Um, lo- loved it. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping Hereditary leaves me with nightmares tonight. I will report back <laughs> next time. Okay, well, I'm not going to say I hope the same, but I am planning to watch it. I got invited to watch it at 12 today, but I've got reports to write. Oh. Hashtag teacher life. Right. So, I'll go see it during the week sometime. On my own and probably cry or poo my pants. Maybe both. Maybe, but I mean, yeah, could do a crapoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A crapoo. <laughs> yeah, that's better. A crapoo. That works better. Rolls off the tongue. Excellent. So, um, well, after that horrifying Al. image. <laughs> I think, uh, Clive, there's a certain, you know, thing we need to do now. Um, um, the- <laughs> I'm going to put it really formulaically for it. So, let's okay. see. Um, a piece of solid material fitting tightly into a hole and blocking it up. That's what she said. Um, the indefinite, continued progress of existence and events in the past, present and future, regarded as a whole. Can you solve that riddle, Clive? Oh, you mean plug time! Get I in do. contact with the show. Stickaroundpodcast.gmail.com uh, or stickaroundpodcast.com slash contact for a form to fill in which goes to us and we answer it and read it out on the show as long as it's not offensive um, actually if it is offensive that'd be better yeah stickaroundpodcast.com for articles like I've just mentioned the Ghibli article um, Al's link later thing will be going up there there's top fives of 2017 if you want to live in the past um, at stickaroundcast on Twitter we tweet about stuff everything that goes up gets tweeted about we've now got a YouTube channel which it's not um, got enough viewers for me to be able to get the a decent URL for it. So it's something like youtube.com slash S73496262. That's a guess. So <laughs> just, go, <clears throat> just go to the Twitter and there'll, there'll be a link to a video there. I've only done one so far, but I'm hoping to... I'm uh, awaiting the arrival of a decent webcam, which will make things a lot quicker because the, using my phone was proving cumbersome. Stick around podcast on Instagram. You can follow us there for pictures. We need to get better at posting those. And on justgiving.com slash fundraising slash stick around, you can give some money in our name to Shelter, which would be much appreciated. And I think that covers it. Although, give us five-star reviews on iTunes, please, because that 
The last time someone did that, our numbers went up drastically. So obviously really useful. Um, do it, please. It only takes about two minutes. Even a one-star review. Just give us a bloody review, you know. Excellent. Dave, are you going to be seeing any films this weekend or in the next week? Have you got any plans to? Um, I've got no definite plan to. I want to watch Solo at a point where I've totally given up on it being any good. And then <laughs> I'll have so low expectations. See what I did there? Woo! Then, um, <laughs> it will be so good. Right. So good. Yeah. I mean, it is good. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Disappointing it's as a Star good. Wars film. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty decent. It's all right. It's a six point five. A solid point over uh, Jurassic Park mm, is where I'd actually, put it. I put. I, I might have sounded quite low on it, but I'd have probably given it not that I do scores, but a, a solid seven point zero, Clive. Oh right, well, system. obviously you're. I'm a, a terrible. I only like things when they're Japanese and animated. So yeah, fair enough. Got Doctor Lee's three points for that. <laughs> Clive, have you got any, pl- aside from Hereditary maybe, any other plans to see any films that are out at the minute? Um, I haven't, I need to look. I want to go yeah, watch some more. I'm definitely going to watch Cargo. I've, there's that Wasp thing and the Ant-Man thing, which I'll probably <laughs> see, but I'm not particularly excited about. Uh, well, I feel like there's other stuff coming out. I don't out. think that's out for a yeah. while. Um, oh, yeah, is it not? That's not no, out till like August. That's not oh, out till yeah. August the 3rd. No, right, okay. Incredibles 2, if you, though. If you, if you yeah, want to fly to America, it's out on July 6th. Oh, okay. That seems like quite a gap. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for The Incredibles 2, definitely. Although, I'd rather they did another in, um, non-sequel film. But you Well, know, let's go, go straight to Incredibles energy. 3. I mean, yeah, just <laughs> scrap this. Just, yeah. We've got prequels. Why not just start making gaps I think, <laughs> that I think, you can fill in later, you know? I think that's what Deadpool 2 should have done. You know, to be, you know, how Deadpool's all about being naughty and, you know, he should have just gone straight to Deadpool 3. Yeah, that um, would have been interesting. Probably the executives would have blocked that, but, um, yeah, that would have been more fun, I think. Yeah, I agree. Would have le- led to lots of people searching for Deadpool 2. <laughs> <laughs> not, not finding it. Cool. Excellent. Right. Uh, well, thanks very much, guys. A big thank you to Clive Fisher. Thank you, Dave. Good job hosting. Cheers for taking it. Thank you. It's a hard job. Yeah, yeah. But someone's <laughs> got to do it. Thank you to Alex Wayne. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much for hosting. <laughs> you're, you're, you're so polite. You're brought up really, really well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's thank you to me, David Peeling. Thank you, Dave. That's no problem, dear. Um, cheers, Dave. Yeah, cheers, cheers, Dave. Dave. <laughs> and we're back next time with... I'm going to take a leap and say music. No. Oh. It should be ge- If we're following the thing, it should be games because, and also we've just had E3, so maybe that's. Oh, yeah, let's yeah. do games. Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll be. Lots of E3 rants here. Be so back. I'm excited. Back next time uh, with games. Uh, have a. Uh, be safe, everyone. And I invite you to stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around